feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita, because your perfume is smelling sweet. In this hour, we will talk about President Trump's immunity hearing. He says he has full presidential immunity. We'll also get into D.A. Fannie Willis. This is the Atlanta district attorney, remember, who took it upon herself to go after President Trump. Well, boy, it's like a soap opera. It makes uh, the housewives of New York, the real housewives, uh, look like uh, beginners, Because it is a real drama, and now it looks like the White House was colluding with the Georgia team all along. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And we'll get into that and what the repercussions could be. Also, we also have to look at, as we were talking with Joe from Jericho, who called earlier, he was talking about Abbott and Costello. Uh, Boy, does Secretary Lloyd Austin and his team look like uh, you know Abbott and Costello today. I wish it was a comedy, but sadly, it has to do with our country's security, not just domestically, but overseas. Uh, because today, we finally found out why he was MIA. And remember, nobody even at the White House knew why he was missing in action. Uh, he didn't tell anybody. It never got passed on. Uh, what if suddenly there was some huge attack against American interests, even more than there has already been in the Red Sea? But what if there was some major, major attack and suddenly we find out that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was also under anesthesia when he went in for, quote, what he called uh, sort of uh, electoral, electoral, elect, what do you call it? Uh, you know, when you when you elective, it's an elective surgery. Uh, when he went in, but it turned out not to really be an elective surgery. Uh, it made it sound like, you know, when you think of elective surgery, you're like, okay, that's something that's like really planned and kind of rudimentary. Turns out it was actually a pretty advanced surgery tied to prostate cancer. And nobody, even at the White House, even knew up until a few hours ago that he even had cancer. It was like, what is going on? He's rushed to the hospital. Uh, he's under anesthesia. They didn't even know he was MIA. They didn't uh, need him. Uh, They didn't even respond to these small attacks, or I should say continued attacks, that were happening on U.S. troops in the Red Sea. I mean, it looks like, again, like Moe and Curley or Abbott and Costello, as we're talking about. I'm glad Austin, it sounds like the surgery went okay. There were complications. That's why he had to get rushed back. And I hope he recovers all right. Um, We certainly wish him well. But, boy, there needs to be some accountability here. Uh, Because when this came out today, it was another stunner that nobody at the White House even knew why he was sick. Listen to this one. He has lied repeatedly to Congress. He has been negligent in his duties. He needs to go. He needs to be impeached. Our national security depends on it. And that was Kat Kamek talking about Alejandro Mayorkas. But there are people also calling for additionally for uh, also Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to also potentially be impeached and removed. And this after John Kirby at the White House announced again what his ailment was. Nobody at the White House knew that Secretary Austin had 
prostate cancer until this morning, and the president was informed immediately after we were. Did the president or the White House instruct Secretary Austin to make this disclosure today? No. Does the president plan to stick with Secretary Austin through the rest of the term? Yes. Yeah, no big deal. I mean, that to me is shocking. So the president and nobody else knew that he had cancer. Apparently he was diagnosed with prostate cancer in December, uh, then was consulting with his doctor, then went in for that elective surgery that we just talked about, uh, which really is an elective. Uh, it was, they believe, I think it was robotic going in, um, but still it was risky. And obviously he got an infection and had to be rushed by ambulance to the hospital. And we're just finding out about it now. Are you kidding me? This is what the former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, who was there under President Trump's administration. This is what he had to say about this entire incident with the secretary of defense. Obviously, there's a lot of focus on Secretary Austin um, and the role that he played here. uh, And there should be. Uh, But a lot of people seem to be missing the larger picture here that this entire episode is Uh, really an indictment of the entire Biden national security team. And this is also the message that he says it sends because he said for some reason nobody knew he was missing. Nobody reached out to the Secretary of Defense. And when there were these attacks on the Red Sea, in fact, while he was in the hospital, they had about a dozen of these attacks on U.S. facilities in the Red Sea and elsewhere in the Middle East. And, of course, the White House did nothing, so they didn't need to alert their defense secretary. That sounds like they're making U.S. troops feel like sitting ducks. Listen to this. The concern that I have is the message that we've sent to our troops about force protection, which is that we don't mm-hmm. care. The thing, that, the thing that isn't being talked about is under any scenario for which they don't have an explanation is that from the time of um, Secretary Austin's first surgery until the time it was discovered he was AWOL, There were 13 attacks on U.S. troops. And just from January 1 to January 4, there were eight attacks. And what we've learned is that uh, the number of principal meetings, meaning the, the, the senior cabinet officials of Biden's national security team, to talk about this issue, the number of meetings was zero. We know that because had anyone gotten together to talk about what should we do about force protection? What should we do about protecting our troops? What was the nature and extent of the damages? Uh, someone would have noticed that Secretary Austin was missing. And so, you know, it's really inexcusable and incomprehensible to me that there was not just an attack, not just another attack, but attack after attack after attack, whether you get to eight or to 13. And Biden's national security team had no conversations about it. And the message that that sends to our troops is that they just don't care. What a sad testament. And Radcliffe also further said that if this had happened under the Trump administration, many people would have been fired for it, including the defense secretary. And I actually agree because there were so many breakdowns and they look stupid. So today they put out a memo saying uh, we're going to go through all the different departments and we're going to get sort of a protocol procedure in place. Are you kidding me? You're the White House. You are the presidency of the United States. And now you're trying to figure out protocol that you didn't have it obviously correctly in place or nobody really seemed to care that they had such a like ham haw about national and international security that the defense secretary could be clocked into a hospital and be under general anesthesia and nobody even noticed or cared really at the time. 
and there were still attacks on U.S. troops at the time. And nobody even felt like they needed to call him or even to respond to these attacks on U.S. troops. How pathetic. To me, it just shows such a lame, disconnected administration. And that also goes for our wide open southern border. And that's why I think it is imperative that they send a message, even if they can't remove Mayorkas because they don't have the votes in the Senate. As we know, the Democrats control the Senate right now. But they certainly have enough votes, hopefully, in the House. We'll see. Just to even impeach him, boy, would it send a strong message that they will not tolerate a wide open southern border. 1 800 848 9222. 1 800 848 9222. Let's go to Russ. Line one. Russ, your thoughts about all this? Oh, hi, Rita. Can you clear up a question that's been nagging at me since the Coney Island Swamp Lily, also known as Jacqueline of Gravesend, brought up that uh, migrants are brought here to vote? Wait, wait, wait. What did, wait, wait, wait. What did you call Jacqueline? Oh, 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 on our other station, we know Jacqueline as the Coney Island Swamp Lily. Uh, oh, I thought you heard that before. I had not heard it. All right. But, but she seems like a lovely woman, but go ahead. It's a term of affection. Uh, those were the flowers at my first wedding. Okay, but, all right. I wanted to make sure it was a term of affection. It didn't sound oh, like oh. it the way you said it, but go ahead. All right, yeah, whatever. Term, term of endearment for her and Norman and, and Stan, too. Because, you know, I noticed Peter Staten Island mentioned uh, pedophiles, and if that's some kind of reference to Stan and his sex offender status, I stand with Stan. And if the whole and, 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 you... and by the way, by the way, yeah. um, uh, I don't think it was from Pete. And I will also say when there was a reference, because somebody did make a comment like that a, a week or so ago, and Stan even thanked me for standing up to him. So let's move on, Russ. Go ahead. Well, okay, great. I, I stand with Stan. Yeah, and I I'm agree. Gonna... I don't. I agree. I agree with you. Okay. Move forward. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Well, when when Jacqueline brought it up, if, if migrants are so bad. Why is it that I keep hearing that all the U.S. citizens are moving to Texas from elsewhere in the U.S.? I mean, it's because there's so many jobs, there's so much economic activity. It it makes me think that maybe the Chamber of Commerce is glad to have these people here. I've heard people say, oh, we need bodies, warm bodies to pay into Social Security for the old people. And I have a hard time reconciling that with these claims of AOC and her socialist pals wanting to reduce growth and Carl Schwab and the World Economic Forum. I mean, socialists seem to want to do contradictory things. I just was wondering if you could straighten me out on that. Well, and that's interesting. They are sort of all over the place. I think most of them would be happy to have, obviously, a lot of them come in. And I do believe, Russ, and I, and I, I said this, I am not a big conspiracy theorist that at first I thought, oh, what are you kidding me? But I do actually believe that a lot of them would love to see a blanket amnesty. I mean, we've seen AOC even talk about that, that, you know, uh, the pathway is essentially for uh, citizenship, that to make these illegals, quote, legal. So I do believe that they would love to have as many as possible, regardless of the impacts that we're seeing on many blue state cities. I mean, uh, look at look at what's happening in New York. Uh, look at what's happening in Chicago. Look at what's happening in Boston. I mean, there's a lot of places that are being damaged. To your point about Texas, though, I think part of the reason people are moving many places to Texas, Florida, the Carolinas also, uh, but for Texas in particular, let's talk about that. Uh, they don't have, uh, I believe, an individual income tax. Uh, they don't have a corporate income tax. Um, they also have sort of, you know, uh, free speech, free this, free that. Um, they like the mindset of the people in Texas. Uh, it's a big place, even though they have a lot of migrants there. Uh, it's a big state. 
Uh, but you see some of these places like El Paso and Eagle Pass and some of those others have not been experiencing the amount of growth uh, other than the migrants because those places are just being downright flooded. So it's an interesting point, uh, but I think the mindset of Texas is sort of a freedom state. And you look at they like what Governor Abbott's doing uh, and you look at what sadly what's happening to places like New York. I mean, you see New York City, Russ, so many people are leaving New York City. Uh, they're getting socked with taxes. They're seeing crime. Uh, they're seeing the issues with the migrants. Uh, they're seeing increased taxes, potentially, uh, congestion, you know, tax. I mean, there are so many issues where they're getting socked in every direction. And suddenly, uh, maybe a different place, maybe not right there on the border, but somewhere else doesn't look so bad. And uh, and I hope, you know, we don't continue to see the exodus in New York because I love New York and I want the best for New York. But you got to admit, New York City is a mess. You're in White Plains, but and uh, and White Plains is feeling it, too. But New York City is a mess. Don't you agree, Russ? Down in New York City every every week. But, you know, even Reagan had to accept that amnesty. And Reagan's a guy who stood up to Menachem Begin in Israel in 1982. No, you're right. You're right. He did. And and a lot of people said that that was a big mistake on Reagan's part. Um, But you're right. He he did do it. Um, And I think, listen, there are some people in the GOP, as we speak, Russ, that are talking about doing some sort of border deal like, okay, you're going to limit it to X amount a year. Maybe you're going to expedite it. Um, And then there are other people in the Republican Party that are saying, hold fast. I don't think you should negotiate when you're talking about American security. I think they should do whatever they can to really vet these people, because I think we are sadly going to feel the impacts of open border, no vetting, no security. Uh, I think we're going to feel it, sadly, for generations to come, even if they close the border tomorrow. Uh, but better do it tomorrow than not do it under this president. I can't imagine what it's going to be like after another year. That is a frightening scenario. Uh, but, Russ, thank you very much. Always good to hear from you. one 800 848 We'll continue your calls after the break, everybody. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rita Cosby Show. the chaos on the U.S. border and now at James Madison High School because the students have been kicked out to make room for the migrants and many people in the community there are not happy. Uh, There are lots of reports tonight uh, that they have literally been out there saying uh, blank you uh, to the migrants and also those from the city that have been told 
that guess what? Your students are going to have to move out and we're going to be putting now 2,000 illegal migrants in the area, in the school's gym. And one person there, a local resident near James Madison High School, said it's a litmus test. They're using a storm, a legitimate situation. They are testing this out. I guarantee you they're going to be here into the summer. Uh, Also, another person saying uh, there's 1,900 people getting thrown out into the neighborhood, half a block from where I live, and we don't know who they are, talking to the New York Post. Very powerful statements. Uh, Let's go to Penelope, line one. Penelope, your thoughts. I was just wondering about, um, you know, they're bringing on all these illegals. What about the people who are on the list to be here legally? Are they, like, at least helping them out? Like, Kind of. You know, you know, that's a great question, Penelope, because some of them have actually gotten pushed to the back of the list because a lot of the migrants that have come in recently, like, for example, like Venezuelans and some others, uh, were moved up, expedited. So they went ahead of those who've already been sort of on the waiting list. Um, and because there are so many of them, they are often getting their dates pushed back as well. And how sad is that? Uh, and that's why a lot of people, if you look at some of the polls, uh, President Biden and the Democrats are not doing well at all on immigration and with Hispanics. They've been dropping with Hispanics because a lot of people in particular from the Hispanic, you know, the community that came here and everywhere. I'm My father's Polish. My mother's Danish. I'm first generation American. It took them six years. And people that worked hard to get that legal status uh, really are angry when they see this open border and really are frustrated and can't believe Uh, What's happening that these others are getting free perks and they just resent the fact that some of them are getting pushed to the beginning of the line. And in fact, in New York, remember, uh, they got expedited work permits, but a lot of them didn't want the work permits. That was the irony. They put them out there saying, oh, they're all here. They want to work. And remember, I said it's at least one hundred and sixty thousand. And as of a few weeks ago, it was like fifteen hundred or two thousand applied for work permits. What does that say to you guys? I know what it says to me. 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on. about Fulton County Fanny. Uh, Boy, uh, she had an easy lover, it seems like. Uh, A guy who's married, who, according to reports, was not qualified to be the prosecutor. And she, according again to this report, this filing, 
She, uh, I think we should put it up. This is kind of a fun line right here. Here we go. Well, we may regret that Fulton County Fanny found her love. Again, according to this court reporting, remember, she is the DA in Georgia who is going after President Trump and all these others uh, under RICO charges. And it turns out she had a lover. It's a guy who was not extremely qualified, according to reports. And she puts him as the prosecutor in the Trump case. He's the one who puts it before the grand jury. And apparently, again, according to reports, she was making, uh, she was getting him paid somewhere because she's the one who signs signs off on that $654,000 in legal fees, some of which, according to reports, uh, went on vacation like on Royal Caribbean cruises and to Napa Valley to try the uh, wine over there, some nice wine in Napa Valley. And that was at taxpayer expense, but it gets worse. So now today in the last few hours, we are finding out that this guy, the married prosecutor who was not qualified, obviously, first of all, you shouldn't be putting somebody you're having a relationship with on top of the biggest case that you've ever dealt with, or any case for that matter. That's a clear conflict. That's a no-no. Ethically, it's not a smart thing to do. Ethically, it is wrong. But also, now it turns out that after he files for divorce, (laughs) then she appoints him. So now she's happy. He's free as a bird, I guess, at that point. Then she appoints him. And then what's one of his first visits? Isn't it nice? He goes to the White House for two eight-hour meetings. That is damning because the White House, the Biden White House, has always maintained we had nothing to do with any of these prosecutions. There was no coordination between us and any of these prosecutions against President Trump. We've never had any discussions. There's never been anything. And now it turns out this prosecutor, who is uh, Fanny's uh, fan friend, right? Uh, It sounds like this prosecutor, right, turns out that he uh, goes to the White House and has meetings with people at the Biden White House, two of them, for eight hours. That's a long meeting. That's a long, long, long meeting. And clearly... That shows that someone's not telling the truth here. And that absolutely looks like a lot of conflicts of interest. Uh, Listen to what Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, what he had to say about all of this with Fannie Willis. If it's true that Willis paid her lover boyfriend, who is, by the way, inexperienced and unqualified as a prosecutor, A whopping $654,000 in taxpayer money, and then the two of them used some of it to take lavish vacations together. What is that? Well, Judge, you would probably call it misappropriation of public funds, honest services fraud. She was also uh, apparently hiring him without authority. That's an abuse of power. And he further said that this is so serious that there should be a halt to the case. Listen to what Greg Jarrett said about that. Fonnie Willis contorted the racketeering law to bring the charges, 
so now we're left to wonder, you know, was it pillow talk that left uh, that led to the charges against Trump? I think the trial judge must hold a hearing, demand answers. Um, if warranted, the judge should then refer the accusations against Willis and her lover to the state attorney general for immediate investigation. And the trial itself against Trump should be paused until that probe is finished and the public can be assured that this prosecution against Trump was not poisoned by unethical, even corrupt conduct. And the appearance of it looks damning tonight. As we are seeing these details, can you imagine if it was like, okay, well, a, you know, friend or more than friend of the prosecutor was put in charge of the case. That's the one who influences the jury. And also now it turns out was going to the White House. All of those things are really, really damning and certainly show a conflict of interest and also show collusion between the White House and and also the Georgia prosecution. By the way, tonight, some very sad news, too, uh, that Melania Trump's mom uh, has passed away. Remember, Melania Trump was not at a number of things recently with the president, and the president came forward at New Year's and was saying that Melania wasn't there because her mother was not doing well. She was in the hospital. And very sad to hear that Melania Trump's mom, uh, 78 years old, has passed away. Uh, And, of course, our hearts break for Melania and also her father, Victor. I had the honor of meeting um, her mother a number of times, and she was such a lovely, beautiful, incredible woman and just really gracious, very humble. Um, You could see sort of where Melania got, I think, a lot of her grace and dignity, so much from her mom and from her father, and uh, just really lovely people. And my heart breaks for Melania and especially the loss of her beloved mother that just crossed a little bit ago, 78 years old. Uh, Thoughts and prayers, of course, with the whole Trump family tonight. Also, uh, President Trump has been in the middle of a court case, in the middle of all of this. Today, he was in Washington, D.C., fighting for presidential immunity, saying that he has unlimited presidential immunity and that presidents Sitting presidents should be immune from prosecution if they're carrying out the duties that they would abide by as president. And he is saying in the case of such as the Georgia case with Fannie Willis and in other cases that especially the January 6th and any of these election cases, having in his mind free and fair elections, making sure that people have faith in the election system, he is contending that that is part of his responsibility. As President of the United States, he wants to make sure that elections are done appropriately. It is within his power, by the way, to question elections. It's within his power to ask for recounts. Those are all allowed. Uh, So now on the flip side, Jack Smith is coming out and saying, no, 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 no. This was outside the bounds. This was more of a campaign issue. This was not a presidency issue. And he says that, Basically, Trump shouldn't be immune on anything. Listen to what the president said, because he actually showed up in the court today in D.C., and he fought the fight. Take a listen. Numbers came out today that are uh, really very mind-boggling if you happen to be Joe Biden. And I think they feel this is the way they're going to try and win. And that's not the way it goes. That'll be bedlam in the country. It's a very bad thing. It's a very bad 
precedent, as we said, it's the opening of a Pandora's box, and that's a very, that's a very sad thing that's happened with this whole situation. Uh, when they talk about uh, threat to democracy, that's your real threat to democracy. And I feel that as a president, you have to have immunity. Very simple. And if you don't, as an example, if uh, this case were lost on immunity, and I did nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong, I'm working for the country, and I worked on uh, very hard on voter fraud because we have to have free elections. We have to have strong voters. We have to have free elections. Those two things, almost above all. And we found tremendous voter fraud. We have a list of it. We have some findings if you want it. The press doesn't like reporting it, but we found tremendous voter fraud, determinative voter fraud. But we worked on that. That's what I was doing. And uh, they were talking about after. Well, nothing has to do with after I left. It was during the time. And that was what they really focused on today during the appeal. And they concede that, and everybody concedes that. And if it's during the time, you have absolute immunity. And they also brought up all these 14th Amendment cases, too, that are out there. These are the ones where they're trying to kick Trump off the ballot. Uh, You could make the case that if you open the door and say presidents don't have immunity, uh, what about opening the border wide open? You could consider that a criminal act as somebody, an accessory potentially. If somebody who crosses the border illegally with a wide open border and commits a crime, could you go back to the president for that? They brought up the case of a drone strike that Barack Obama did, and it turned out it was the wrong person that received the strike. Uh, Guess what? It was a bad day, clearly, for that person. Uh, but they didn't prosecute Obama over it. So it does open up a floodgate, and it is a really interesting point. Also, on the 14th Amendment, there's a number of Republicans now that are coming out and saying, okay, if you're going to try to kick Trump off the ballot in all these states, well, guess what? Uh, We'll do the same thing. Uh, In our Republican-led states, we'll say that Biden's dereliction of duty with a wide-open southern border or not responding to Iran— Uh, Not even sanctioning Iran, softening the sanctions, making it easy for them to acquire tons of money that is fueling their war against America and everywhere else. Isn't that a dereliction of duty? Where do you draw the line? It's an interesting point. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here is Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, saying... Guess what? This is all about the fact that Trump is killing Biden in the numbers. Let's not be twisted on why we have a timing issue. There really isn't a timing issue. The only issue is the one that the Democrats have created because they're concerned about losing in 2024. So they've created this epic proportion of rush. It's a consistent rush. It's putting pressure on the Supreme Court. It's putting pressure on these circuit courts to rush to decisions because they create a sense of urgency that frankly does not exist but for the fact that they are losing in the polls. So we are looking at this hectic rush. However, if you look at the decision with Jack Smith in the Supreme Court recently, they are calling them out on it. The rush to ruin an election is not, frankly, a rush at all. It is an urgent election interference claim that they've all colluded to do. It is a rush to judgment to go after Trump. After the break, we'll take your calls on this and also the border. So much more. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. But first, here's our Support Our Heroes. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. 
And this is the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Support Our Heroes segment with a very powerful story from Nevada, where a different kind of spotlight shined on Las Vegas as a World War II veteran received one of France's highest honors. Just recently, a 98-year-old World War II veteran, Private First Class Henry Robinson, was surprised when unexpected guests arrived at his home. He said, I had the ambassador of France and the ambassador of the United States come to my house and his contingencies, and they talked to me. Well, he soon found out they were presenting him with the highest honor given by the French government, the French Legion of Honor, for his bravery in wartime. But Robinson was very, very humble, and he said, I can't believe I received this. By the way, when you listen to his history, in 1944, Robinson was a scout behind enemy lines when he entered the Battle of the Bulge in Belgium, aiding in the defeat of the Germans. In 1945, he helped liberate prisoners from concentration camps and assisted displaced people for an extra year. Robinson says memories from that time still haunt him to this day, recalling that. He said, I think it was the 55th Infantry Soldier. He had been pretty badly wounded, and he was out in what we call no man's land. There was no way we could get to him to help him, you know. So he was just out there by himself, wounded, and we could hear him all night. You could hear him yelling, Mom, and that stays with you. Wow. And in the past 10 years, 22 Vegas World War II heroes have received this honor. Robinson would be the 23rd. Sadly, the other 22 recipients are no longer alive. Robinson said he's thankful for this award. He says he receives it with his military family in mind. He says, I accept this in memory of those who did not come back. And everybody, America's heroes need your help. Donate $11 a month to the great Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Check them out online at t2t.org. That's t2t.org. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. Tomorrow, we, of course, will be covering all the proceedings. There's a bit on contempt of Congress on Hunter Biden and also Mayorkas, uh, the beginning of impeachment hearings also as well. It's going to be a busy day, and I can't wait to talk about it with all of you tomorrow night. Meantime, we're talking about migrant Lloyd Austin, uh, also Trump, Fannie Willis, and so much more. one 800 848 Nine two two two. Let's go to Jerry. Uh, Jerry, your thoughts about all of this that's happening with Trump? Yeah, hi Rita. I think that we should all think about this. The Democrats are probably well aware that this time, with Trump not having a conviction, he's going to be put back on the ballot by the Supreme Court. However, they're playing a long game, and what they're looking at is let's soften everybody up and let's get everybody backed into a corner because when Trump gets one conviction. They're going to do it all over again. They're going to say, now take them off the ballot again. 
And then we're going to have to really see whether this court is going to do the right thing after Trump's convicted. And I'm telling you, this first one, without a conviction, Trump is not going to have a 9-0. I don't know who's saying that. It's going to be 6-3 or 5-4 even with Roberts going with them, but probably 6-3. And the reason is the Democrats know that they're going to get a second bite at the apple with one conviction. And they don't want to go from 9-0 to 5-4. They want to go 6-3. And those liberals are going to go against Trump this time. That's an interesting point, Jerry. Um, so that's a very good point that they're going to like try it now. And then after they get some conviction, I mean, with 91 counts and the way some of these courts are going, like you said, um, there'll be some conviction. It might even be, uh, you know, uh, throwing him in jail for the gag order. Oh, he's behind bars. Look at this. Um, but even a physical conviction on one of the charges, too. There's some interesting way you, you brought up some very powerful points. Um, so you're right. They may be looking at a whole second go around. Well, look, he said not a conviction. Now there is one. Um, so wow, 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 wow. So this is just the beginning, Jerry. I can't even imagine this year is going to certainly be one for the record books. Jerry, thank you. That's a great point. Uh, let's go to Joaquin line two. Joaquin, your thoughts. Oh, Rita, you know what? I think we really need to look at the history. You know, when, uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats called Donald Trump a Nazi and, and us, you know, MAGA supporters, uh, you know, Nazis and, and whatever else. Let's take a look at, you know, what they're doing to Donald Trump and the people of January 6th. But also, too, this whole thing of opening the borders and flooding the country with all these illegal uh, immigrants and migrants, whatever you want to call them. You know, th- this is all being done to destroy the country. And none of these Democrats are asking for the border to be closed. All they want is uh, they, they want to have the immigration reform which is to give them a path to citizenship and to just let them keep coming in and change the country. And, you know, Obama wants to change the country and you will know them by their fruits. And this is all being done deliberately. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and by the way, have you noticed also lately, Joaquin, that um, the Obamas have been very vocal uh, in uh, putting pressure on the Biden team? They're loving what's going on at the border. And that is really that's a sad testament uh, when you think about an American president. I agree with you. Uh, let's go real quick to Sandra. Sandra, your thoughts. Well, oh, good evening, Rita. I wanted to say I'm very sorry about uh, Melania losing her mother. That was awfully young. I didn't realize she was that young. Very young. Not old. Very yeah. young. And by the way, a lovely woman. I had the honor to meet her a number of times, and she was very sweet and very humble and, and just a lovely woman. So more sadness for that family. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, Lloyd Austin. That was a slap in Biden's face, if you ask me. And, you know, that job is not a nine to five job. It's a 24 seven job. Yeah, I agree. And he was MIA and nobody really noticed. What does that say about Lloyd Austin? What does it say about Biden? And also, Sandra, what does it say about our national security? Ouch.